Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to Numbers chapter 28. Numbers 28. Now, where we left off last week, we see how the Lord gives instruction for Joshua. He's going to be the next leader to take Israel into the promised land. Uh, and, you know, with something I have to say, there's going to be a big pause before we actually see entry into the promised land. We're going to see that in, you know, future books. Uh, and I love that. You know, there, there's that exuberance of, you know, I, to be honest, you know, I, I'm very excited. I can't wait till we get to that point. But at the same time, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to learn until we get there. And I think it's so beautiful when we kind of internalize that and consider our own walks with the Lord. You know, the exuberance, the, the excitement we have for ourselves to enter the promised land. And when I say promised land, I'm speaking of paradise with the Lord. There is that, you know, great excitement and expectation. Beautiful. I don't deny that. It's beautiful. It's to be desired. But then also something else to be desired is the learning that happens until we get to that point. The learning that happens. You see how beautiful it is that we have the full counsel of the Word of God. Genesis is a revelation. We have the full counsel of the Word of God. And yes, we're in this wilderness experience in the world. We're not of the world, but we're in the world nonetheless. And yet we continue to learn until we get to paradise. You see? And so just, you know, have patience with me because I can't wait. I can't wait till we get there. But we still have a lot of learning to do. And so I invite you uh, to have patience with me. Let us be a people that endures, but then at the same time that we endure patiently. Uh, here in verse 1, chapter 28, we see, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel and say to them, My offering, my food for my offerings, made by fire as a sweet aroma to me, you shall be careful to offer to me at their appointed time. Order. Old Testament, New Testament, order. We just studied that through 1 Corinthians. Order being established in the fellowship, in the church. And you know, I love this in verse 2, how there's emphasis on ownership because it's all the Lord's. It's all about the Lord. Have you ever been in a situation where you feel like you're just going through the motions? And whatever, whatever it is. You feel like you're just going through the motions. But then understand when you look at verse 2, it puts things in proper perspective. Because it's all for the Lord. You know, and that, I say that as new covenant believers. But then at the same time, the same thing applies to the old covenant as well. I'm not advocating the law. I'm just saying there's similarities because, you know, you see the, the, the inception of these beautiful laws. I'm not advocating the law and saying that. But these beautiful laws, but then at the and statutes, but then at the same time, we're gonna see as we continue through the Old Testament, you're gonna see how even priests, the Levites, and even the Kohanim, the high priests, they get into like a minutia of everyday life where it's like you know just going through the motions. But then when you see verse two in perspective. The lamb, all of the sacrifices, all the offerings, the lamb, the ox, the turtle, the, it's all for the Lord. It's all for the Lord. Turn with me really quick to Genesis 22. Gen Genesis 22. And here in Genesis 22, we see Abraham when he's, he offers up Isaac. His offering unto the Lord 
And it's Isaac, his son. But the Lord stops him. You know, if you're listening for the first time, if you're not a believer and you're like, oh my goodness, what is happening here? The Lord stops him. Look at verse 7, Genesis 22, verse 7. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. You see this beautiful interaction, father and son. Here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Where is the lamb? Isaac, son of Abraham, asked his dad, you know, dad, where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And look at what he says here in verse 8. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. How beautiful. God will provide for himself. Remember in Numbers 28, you know, my offerings, the Lord says, you know, my offering, my food, my offering made by fire is a sweet aroma to me, his offering. And here in Genesis 22, verse 8, Abraham acknowledges his son and answers his question, the question of his son and says, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Now we get into verse 11, still in Genesis 22. But the angel, in verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called, called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad because Abraham was about to offer Isaac. Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And look what we see here in verse 13. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up to and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Now, notice here, what was caught in the thicket was a ram. But what did Abraham say in verse 8? God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. And then in verse 13. It's not a lamb. It's a ram. So what does that tell us? There's a future lamb coming. A future lamb coming. In the law, but even beyond the law, there is a future lamb coming. Capital L. It is prophetic of Jesus Christ. You see? That's Abraham's obedience unto the Lord. And the Lord will provide for himself. The lamb for the burnt offering. It's so beautiful when we have the full context of the word of God. Because now we get into Numbers at 28. Go back to Numbers 28 now. Now we're in Numbers 28. And in verse 2, we see, Command the children of Israel and say to them, My offering. Now we have this backdrop of Genesis 22. It's like, oh yeah, it's the Lord's. It's all for the Lord. In the case of Jesus Christ, He is the Lord. The word became flesh. My food for my offerings made by fire is a sweet aroma to me. You shall be careful to, to offer to me at their appointed time. And you shall say to them, this is the offering made by fire, which you shall offer to the Lord. Two male lambs in their first year without blemish, day by day as a regular burnt offering. Now, look at verse 2 and 3 together. Actually, look at verse 3. Verse 3 is the to-do part. Two male lambs in their first year without blemish, day by day as a regular burnt offering. This is what you shall offer to the Lord. That's verse 3. And this is how people get into that, that rut 
that rut of the minutia. And, and I speak as, you know, I'm not advocating the law. I have to emphasize I'm not advocating the law. But you're going to see this. I mean, we see the very early stages here in Exodus, in Leviticus, and in Numbers, the very early stages of things, statutes that are put into play. But when we get into later chapters through the Old Testament, you're going to see not just the priesthood among the Levites and the Kohanim, but also Israel, Judah. You're going to see where it's like, wow, it just becomes like an everyday thing. Like it's no big deal. You're going to see even the people where it becomes just like an everyday thing. Even among the so-called prophets, it's going to become just like, you know, you know, like a small thing. Like it's just part of daily minutiae. Even Jeremiah, when he's, he, he was in his prayer life with the Lord, telling the Lord, you know, like, Lord, you have these prophets, use them. And the Lord, they're not my prophets. The people might call them prophets of the Lord. But God would speak to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, these aren't my prophets. They speak their own prophecies. That's their prophecies according to their own bellies. But these people don't speak for me. That's why they called Jeremiah the lonely prophet, the weeping prophet, because he was he would plead with the people. And the people said, Oh, you know, look, you know, we're God's elect. Does that sound familiar? So verse 3, we see the to-do part, but then verse 2 is the why part. It's for the Lord. Blueprints. It's all His. Now, in this particular chapter, not just this chapter, but also in other chapters, but it's, it's pretty stark here in this chapter. These are passages that we're going to look at, that we've studied already. We, this might be a fast a, a, a message. This might be a, a quick message. I don't know. But these are things that we studied already from Exodus 29. And not just Exodus 29, it touches into our studies through Leviticus, early chapters in Numbers. And you know what's interesting? When we see here in verse 3, two male lambs uh, uh, in their first year without blemish, day by day, as a regular burnt offering. These are things that the Lord told Moses in Exodus 29. Remember our study through Exodus 29? When Moses all by himself in the cloud. Outside of the cloud, Joshua, undefiled from the camp of Israel when they were worshiping the, the golden calf. But Moses, when he's receiving the blueprints from the Lord, he's getting the blueprints from the Lord. And you know what's so beautiful? Here we are in Numbers 28, which tells us what? That the Lord knew it all. The Lord knew about the golden calf. The Lord knew about Baal and how Israel would worship Baal. And yet, he still went through with it. He still went through with everything. For you and me, it's exactly the same. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, you and me. If you're a non-believer and you're listening... While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Sometimes I've talked to non-believers before who are kind of considering like, wow, maybe, maybe I should become a Christian. You know, you almost persuade me to believe. You know? Remember our study in Acts? 
You almost persuade me to believe. And I talk with non-believers and maybe you've talked with non-believers too. And it's like, wow, you know what? Let me, let me get my life fixed up and then I'll become a Christian. No, that's, you got, you got it wrong. If you're a non-believer and you're thinking like, wow, I got to get my life right and then I'll become a Christian, you have it wrong. And I say that lovingly. I love you. You have it all wrong. No, you become a Christian and Jesus Christ will fix your life. And I tell you this from experience. Let the Lord fix whatever needs fixing in accordance to His word, His will, and His spirit as you yield to Him, as we yield to Him. He will fix it. I tell you from experience. It's not you fix your life and then you become a Christian. It's the other way around. You believe, okay, commit your life to Jesus Christ and then yield to Him and His word and He will fix everything. You see? Because you're being transformed. By renewing of your minds, you will think differently. You will speak differently because you're a Christian. And if that's you, if you're a non-believer, hit pause. Hit pause and listen to a message how to commit your life to Jesus Christ. How to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. And you commit your life to Jesus Christ and then you come back and you listen. Now, These studies, they're so beautiful what we see here in chapter 28 because it's almost like a little refresher course because these are things that we've studied already in Exodus, in Leviticus, and earlier chapters in Numbers. In verse 4, we see this. The one lamb you shall offer in the morning, the other lamb you shall offer in the evening, and one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour as a grain offering mixed with one-fourth of a hint of pressed oil. Now, this is from our study in Leviticus 2. You might be wondering if you're listening for the first time here, why, why, why is this guy flying through these verses? Well, because we've studied this already. Listen to our study through Leviticus. Not just Leviticus 2. You know, start in Leviticus and, you know, get yourself caught up. All of Leviticus, then all of Numbers. Get yourself caught up to where we are. Because we're going to look at these passages and it's like, wow, you know, what we see here in verse 4 and 5, this is exactly what we study in Leviticus 2. In verse 6, we see this. It is a regular burnt offering, which was ordained at Mount Sinai for a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. You see, he even the Lord even knew that Moses would strike the rock. You see, and yet he still went through. Sometimes, you know, we have our walk with Christ and you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. We are going to make mistakes. It's in those moments where we repent and we get ourselves right with Christ. But the Lord knows. Look at the Lord and Israel at this. Right now, in, in, in chapter 28, he's giving further instruction for, to Moses, but for Israel. And he knew it in, in Exodus 29. He knew about the golden calf. Moses and Joshua, they didn't know. But the Lord knew. And he still went through with everything. You see, his mercy, his grace, and his love. Remember, the Lord never changes. The Lord never changes. 
And so here in verse, and I say that because, you know, a lot of times, you know, we get kind of, I've been in those, those situations where we're down in the doldrums or I'm down in the doldrums or helping another brother or sister who are down in the doldrums. Oh man, I did this. I shouldn't have done this. I've done this. It's okay. You, know, you need to repent. You need to repent. Get your heart right with the Lord. And what's so beautiful about repentance is the aftermath. I mean, repentance is beautiful in itself. But the aftermath, look at Aaron. Aaron was in the camp where Moses and Joshua, Joshua were. Aaron was far away from that. He was the one who fashioned the golden calf. And look at Aaron now. Well, I mean, he's dead now in Numbers 28. But before he died, he was the high priest. You see? How is it that Aaron became the high priest? It's the Lord. How is it that anybody, any of us are anything? By the grace of the Lord. But by the grace of God. I am what I am, as Paul says. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. If I were to add a little addendum to that, I would say, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And... By his mercy, I'm not who, he, who I was. By his mercy. You know, if you're in a situation right now, you might be hearing this and you're like, wow, you know what? I blew it just, you know, last week I blew it. Last month I blew it. You think the Lord didn't know? You think when, when you were walking closely with the Lord, you think the Lord didn't know that this would happen? And do you think that the Lord stopped loving you? Nothing can separate you from the love of the Lord. Nothing. Those are his words, not mine. I'm just the messenger. Satan is the one who wants you to think that. That God is done with you. It's Satan who wants you to think that. You see? Don't believe him. You believe the word. You believe the Lord. You commit your life to Jesus Christ or, you know, depending on what your state is, recommit your life to Jesus Christ. Look at Aaron. You see? Fashioning a golden calf. Look at the hands of Aaron. In one moment, when we're in Exodus, in one moment, he's straight up fashioning the golden calf so that Israel could worship the golden calf. And they were the ones who says this golden calf rescued us from Egypt. And Aaron's hands fashioning this calf. And through repentance, the aftermath of repentance, Aaron's hands, look at the work of Aaron's hands. Sacrificing. Sacrificing animals so that people can be right with the Lord. You see? On his face before the Lord. In interceding for the sake of the people. Look at the change. Just in Aaron alone. What about you? Because a lot of times, you know, people think like, oh man, you know what? I blew it. I blew it. And it's like, you know, yes. Okay. Let, let's be honest. Let's acknowledge the sin. Yes, you blew it. Now what? You see? Let's learn from those mistakes. And repent. Repent. And be right with the Lord. And grow and mature. And then the next time you have that choice to make. 
you know. That's what's so beautiful about the pain of chastisement. Because, you know, I mean, like when I was a kid, you know, my dad used to whip me, you know, lovingly. Yeah, I had other brothers. He, he whipped us all. But I remember the beauty of the, past, the previous whippings. You know, they were beautiful because I learned, okay, I don't want that again. I don't want that again. So therefore, I'm not going to do When I have this choice to make, I'm not going to do this. Praise be to the Lord. The same thing happens with our relationship with the Lord. If we are without chastisement, we are illegitimate children. I don't want to be illegitimate. I don't want you to be illegitimate. And so we learn. And we grow. And you might be listening and you're thinking like, wow, I blew it. How could, how could God ever do anything with me? Look at Aaron. Aaron became high priest. A type of Christ in the order of Melchizedek. You see? What about Christ in you? You see? A time of refreshing is now. Make sure your heart is right before the Lord. Choose you this day whom you shall serve. And you might have to recommit your life to Jesus Christ. Do it. What's stopping you? Look at verse 7 here. And its drink offering shall be one-fourth of a hen for each lamb. In a holy place you shall pour out the drink to the Lord as an offering. You see, in, in, in Exodus 29, verse 40, we see how God gave Moses the blueprints. But here we are in, in Numbers 28, verse 7. And now Moses can see and not just see, he can touch the tabernacle. Do you see, in Exodus 29, Moses received the instruction. He received the blueprint, not just 29, but, you know, uh, 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 in that cloud experience when he's on the, in, in the mountain. It's several chapters. But Moses receives the blueprints. And here in Numbers 28, look at the aftermath. The blueprints have already, you know, the construction has already happened. The, uh, the, 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 the process, the, 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 the blood, the process of atonement that's already been given. And now we're in the aftermath where Moses can actually see the tabernacle. Now he has seen the sacrifices. He's seen everything in action. And the purpose, people being, being, being made right before the Lord through blood. Moses can see and touch the tabernacle. But it's the same with you and me today. Because we receive blueprints of the Word of God, Genesis to Revelation. We receive the blueprints. And it requires faith today. We receive these things written in Holy Scripture. But one day, one day, we're going to see it with our eyes. You see? That's why, you know, we get into the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13 when Paul says, all these things are going to fail. Those who know, know in part, knowledge will fail, prophecy will fail because we're going we're gonna to see these things. Like we're in the blueprint phase right now. You and me. We're in the blueprint phase right now. Uh, a little bit in the blueprint. Because, you know, we, we have to walk in accordance with how the word instructs us. 
obedience. But even Moses had to be obedient in order for the tabernacle to come to be. But one day, we're going to see the Lord face to face. One day. These are things that we look forward to. You and me, we look forward to these things. And it's Satan is the one is you know you you have a little mess up, and I, you know I don't want to say like some big egregious sin is like a little tiny thing. I don't want to make it seem like that because whatever the sin, you're gonna to have to reap what you've sown. That's just a fact. You're gonna to have to reap what you've sown. But even still, in reaping what you've sown, is it not beautiful knowing that paradise awaits? Because Satan is the one who you know whisper in your ear, you think God can love you, look at what you've done. You think God can love you, you've done this, you've done this. Look at what a screw up you are. Look at how you've messed up everything, you've ruined everything. And he'll do everything he possibly can to pull you away from Christ. Sidestep left, sidestep left, sidestep left, sidestep, 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 and then boom, fall. But yet the word remains. And nothing can separate you from the love of God. You see? Don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie. The time of refreshing is now. And so we get on in, into verse 8. The other lamb you shall offer in the evening as the, mor- as, as the morning and grain as, as the morning grain offering and its drink offering, you shall offer it as an evening, as an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Notice this covering of blood. It's daily, but there's a lamb in the morning and a lamb in the evening. The exact same thing today. Lamb in the morning, lamb in the evening. I'm not talking about sacrifice. I'm talking about you wake up in the morning. And you pray. You wake up in the morning. It doesn't have to be like a long dissertation. You wake up in the morning. Okay, Lord, you know. I'm going to follow you this day, Lord. Help me. Set up those divine appointments. Lamb in the morning. You go to bed at night. You know, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that divine appointment was beautiful. I'm going to pray for this guy, Lord. I pray for this lady. I pray all those seeds that were planted. I'm going to pray, you know, pray. Or you might have to say, Lord, forgive me because I know that, you know, this could have been a divine appointment, but I blew it because the guy started talking to me about politics. This lady started talking to me about, you know, politics and I lost it. Lord, forgive me. But even still, lamb in the morning, lamb in the evening. You see? In verse 9. And on the Sabbath day, two lambs in their first year without blemish and two tenths of an ephah of fine flour as a grain offering mixed with oil with its drink offering. This is the burnt offering for every Sabbath, every Sabbath besides the regular offering, besides besides the regular offering with its drink offering. So you see here, work on the Sabbath, work on the Sabbath. If you're Jewish and you're listening, I love you. I love you. If you're a Jewish friend, I want to emphasize this. If you're Jewish and you're listening, you might have reservation about Christians. I do too. <laughs> but you might have reservation about Christians. Of, you know, uh, the uh, Lutheran sect, which has, you know, anti-Semitic roots. 
Just read the writings of Luther as I have done and you understand. You might have reservation with the uh, replacement theology sect, which I call replacement theory. People of the likes of John Piper, what replacement theology, supersessionism. I do too. In that regard, I don't even place them in, in, in this camp. Not just in that regard, but in other regards too. So if you're Jewish, because this there's this rise in accordance to the Antichrist spirit that is anti-Jew and anti-Christian. Anti-Zion. Hatred of Jews, it's increasing. It's on the rise. And if you're Jewish and you're listening, I want you to know in me, you have a friend. I love you. Yes, work on the Sabbath. Blood daily. You see? And as we looked at in Genesis 22, in verse 8, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. It didn't end there. If you're Jewish and you're listening, you are my friend and I love you. It didn't end there with Abraham and Isaac. Do you know why? Because what was caught in the thicket was a ram. You say, okay, well, we have the lamb in the law. Yes, you have the lamb in the law. But there's another lamb. There's another lamb with a better law. Now, I know that's like, you know, that might cause some, you, you might have reservation at that statement alone in itself. But I say that in accordance with our studies in Hebrew, in, 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 in Hebrews. Because what do we see in Hebrews 8? In Hebrews 8, verse 6. Hebrews 8, verse 6. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry. Speaking about Jesus Christ. Speaking about the other lamb. Not in accordance to the law, but in fulfillment of the law. And I say this to my Jewish friends. In Hebrews 8, verse 6. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. You see? So in Genesis 22, verse 8, it's not done. Oh, but the, there was an animal in the thicket. Yes, there was an animal in the thicket. It wasn't a lamb. It was a ram, which points to a future lamb. Oh, but there, there, you know, there, there, there's lamb in the law. Yes, there's lamb in the law. But what about the fulfillment of the law, which is also a lamb, the lamb of God? And I speak this to my Jewish friends. I don't hate you. The branch is supported by the root. It's impossible for the Christian to give hate on Jewish friends. You say, well, why do, why do these sects do it? Why does this guy do it? Why does this lady do it? Why, does it? why is this? Why is this happening? They don't know the word. 
And my people perish for lack of knowledge. That's what the word of God says. My people perish for lack of knowledge. In me, my Jewish friends, you have a friend. You see, work on the Sabbath. Blood for the Sabbath. Blood every day. In verse 11, in Numbers 28, verse 11, At the beginnings of your months you shall present a burnt offering to the Lord, two young bulls, one ram, and seven lambs in their first year without blemish. Now the beginning of months, the beginning of months, remember, this started with Passover. It, 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 when, in, in Passover, when, when there was the exodus from Egypt, in our study in Exodus 12, you know, the exodus, from, there was a new beginning. A new beginning. So the, the time period, in accordance to Egypt, the time, it changed. You know, the Passover, and then the Lord gives the instruction, okay, this is your beginning of months. You see? For you and me today, it's the exact same. When we are, when we are born again. You see? Brand new. Made new. That's why sometimes you talk with believers and they'll say, oh, what's your birthday? And they'll give you a day which is not in accordance to their earthly birth. They'll give you a day when they were born again. You see? Verse 12. Three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour as a grain offering mixed with oil for each bull. Two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour as a grain offering mixed with oil for the one ram. This is, you know, hearken to our studies in Leviticus. If you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to our study through Leviticus. We have a nice library now of, you know, different studies. So go through our study in Leviticus. Verse 13, And one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering for each lamb, as a burnt offering of sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. Again, our studies through Leviticus. Their drink offering shall be half a hen of wine, for a bull, one-third of a hen for a ram, and one-fourth of a hen for a lamb. This is the burnt offering for each month through the months of the year. Now, you know, you hear me make reference to, you know, listen to our, our study through Leviticus. And yet, here we are. Do you remember when we were in our studies in Leviticus, when we made mention of there are future chapters and future books where we're going to see a conglomeration of multiple offerings all in one chapter or in a groupings all for one festival or all for one feast and here we are here we are we're seeing it right here in numbers 28 also in verse 15 one kid of the goats as a sin offering to the Lord shall be offered besides the regular burnt offering and its drink offering on the 14th day of the first month is the Passover of the Lord. This is for all generations. For all generations. Now, look in Exodus 12. Turn with me really quick to Exodus 12. And here in Exodus 12, verse 23. This is before their exodus from Egypt, before the, the exodus of uh, uh, Israel from Egypt. And here we have in Exodus uh, 12, verse 23, For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two, door, and on the, the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to destroy you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. You see, next generation. Next generation. 
It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised that you shall keep this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? That you shall say, It is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households so the people bowed their heads and worshipped. You see, this Passover lamb, in accordance to the law, the Passover lamb, in the fulfillment of the law, the Passover lamb. You see, the Lord will provide for himself the sacrifice. Remember, we looked at in Numbers 28 verse 2 in the opening, my offering, my food, a sweet aroma to me. It's all for the Lord. You might be, you know, stuck in a, the minutia, the, you know, the, the rigmarole of life. Don't do that anymore. Let's put things in proper perspective. Who is it for? I mean, if you're living life to please yourself, I can un- you're going to get tired. I can understand the minutia. I get it. When you're living life to please the Lord, understanding that each day is for Him, the air that you breathe is for Him. It's from Him, but it's for Him. I mean, you're a vessel that desires to give honor and praise to the Lord. I pray that's the case. If it isn't, let's get there. It's all for the Lord. Then the minutia changes. Because things are put into proper perspective. Look at, look at what happens. And this is something we're going to see. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. But I'll say this to kind of grease the skids for our future studies. You're going to see something happen in Israel. And it's going to break your heart as it breaks mine. You're going to see the priesthood. They start to lose it. I mean, have you ever... Back in the day when I was a kid, I used to skateboard. But have you ever gone like a super big hill as a skateboard and you start out and it's nice and smooth. You're going nice and straight. But then you start going super fast and then it starts to shake. It starts to go side to side really. And you know, it starts slowly at first and you try as hard as you can to get it under control. But then it starts going side to side really fast and faster and faster. And finally you lose balance and then you just, you bite the dust. And that's what you're going to see in Israel. You're going to see what happens in, in our future studies, future books. You're going to see where it starts to shake a little bit. Why? Because it, it's like the minutia. The day-to-day, you know, going through the motions. The Levites going through the motions. The Kohanim going through the motions. And it trickles to the people. The people start going through the motions. And then we're going to get to 1 Samuel. Where there's no widespread revelation from the Lord. The Lord is quiet. And yet he speaks to little Samuel. He's not speaking. Notice who the Lord speaks to. Notice who the Lord doesn't speak to. Not the priest. Not even the high priest. He doesn't speak to the high priest. Very interesting. What happened? Did the Lord change? No. The priest changed. The high priest changed. The Lord didn't change. He He never changes. Then you have little Samuel, ears to hear. So you start to see even in the Kohanim, even among the priesthood, it starts to shake, it starts to shake. And without, you know, without them being right before the Lord, the shaking gets so bad that they fall off. 
just like you're riding a skateboard down the hill. That might be you too. I, I say you see it in the Old Testament with Israel, but you see it in accordance to the New Covenant in people's homes, in, in, in the Christian, in, 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 in churches, in fellowships, in homes among Christians. You see it. And God never changes. Shaky ground. You see, it's all for the Lord. Put things in proper perspective. It's all for the Lord. 100% for the Lord. My offering, my food, my offerings uh, made by fire is a sweet aroma to me. You shall be careful to offer to me at their appointed time. It's all for the Lord. For His glory, for His honor, for His praise, for His worship. It's all for Him. And when you have things in this perspective, it will help you. Because all of a sudden, you know, you're not doing things for me, 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 me. It's not about me, 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 me. It's about the Lord. You see? And so let's look at what happens here in verse 17, in, in, in Numbers 28, verse 17. And on the 15th day of this month is the feast. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days. You see? Unleavened bread. Bread without leaven. Bread without yeast. And yeast and leaven, symbolic of sin. Sin. Remember the church in Corinth? You know, take this brother and, you know, don't even eat with such a person. Anybody involved with this, the revilers, the drunkards, the sexually immoral, anyone named a brother that is like that, don't even eat with such a person. You know why? Because they are leaven, a type of sin. And in that case, sin. You see? Old Testament, New Testament, you see the parallels. Why? Because the Lord never changes. In verse 18, on the first day you shall have a holy convocation, which is a ceremonial gathering. You shall do no customary work. This is in the Hebrew. Aboda, aboda, melacha. <laughs> Not mishkan. Aboda, aboda, melacha. None of that. Don't do that. Which is like employment type of work. Do you know why? Because it makes room for the aboda, aboda, mishkan. Look at verse 19. And you shall present... In, now, if you're wondering, like, what is that? Avodah, Avodah, Mishkan. Listen to our study through Leviticus. All of it. And you'll understand Avodah, Avodah, Mishkan. In verse 19, you shall present an offering made by fire as a burnt offering to the Lord. Two young bulls, one ram, and seven lambs in their first year. Be sure they are without blemish. You see, be sure. Nothing mangy. Nothing mangy. Remember in Leviticus, we always say that all the time. Nothing mangy. Be sure they are without blemish. Symbolic of Christ without sin. That's what you're going to see in our future studies through the Old Testament. Where an animal just becomes an animal. Oh, yeah, it's a lamb. You know, let's just sacrifice this lamb. Yeah, it's an ox. Let's just sacrifice. Yeah, it's a turtle dove. No big deal. Let's just sacrifice. No. Nothing mangy. Be sure now, if, if, if in accordance to the law, I'm not giving an example of the you know uh, working in accordance to the law. If, if you're just gonna sacrifice a lamb for the sake of sacrificing a lamb, that's that's the day to day. That's the minutia. 
But when you understand the why, and not just the why, the who, the Lord, then it will help you. So in our future studies, you're going to see like, I mean, just the comparison of Eli, the high priest, and little Samuel. Who, not just who was the Lord speaking to, which was Samuel, but who had ears to hear? Samuel. You see? Who is it that the Lord speaks to in all the camp of Israel in our future studies? You're going to see it's the Amos, the, the, the Hosea, the Jeremiah, the Ezekiel, the Isaiahs. When I say Isaiah, is not in plurality, but in plurality of the prophets. You see? What about the priests? What about the Kohanim? And in some cases, in certain time periods, it's because they forgot the Lord. Yeah, they were still sacrificing. They were still sacrificing, you know, animals. But it just became the day-to-day, regular day-to-day, no big deal. But it's a huge deal in the eyes of the Lord, who had eyes to see, who had ears to hear. Remember Amos? I'm no prophet nor the son of the prophet. The Lord says, Amos, you're a prophet. In verse 20, their grain offering shall be of fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah you shall offer for a bull, and two-tenths for a ram. You shall offer one-tenth of an ephah for each of the seven lambs, also one goat as a sin offering to make atonement for you, to make a covering for you, and there has to be blood. The Ten Commandments, don't forget, the Ten Commandments were given three times. The first time, verbally rejected by the people. The second time, on two tablets, also rejected by the people. The third time, you can make a strong case, also rejected by the people, except there was blood. Sacrifice. You see? This covering. This atonement. Also, one goat is a sin offering to make atonement for you. That's the whole objective. Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, For people to be right with the Lord. You shall offer these besides the burnt offerings of the morning, which is for a regular burnt offering. In In this manner, you shall offer the food of the offering made by fire daily for seven days as a sweet aroma to the Lord. It shall be offered besides the regular burnt offerings and its drink offering. Now, you might be wondering, how come he's just flying through these verses? Because we've covered this already. And it's pretty fresh. Not just we covered this already three years ago. We covered this already right before Numbers in our study through Leviticus. And if you're listening for the first time, you're like, wow, you know, why is he just flying through these? When we're done, go back and start with Leviticus 1. And then listen, get yourself caught up. In verse 25, And on the seventh day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work. Now there's prophetic implications to this. And not just this, but this is chapter. There's prophetic implications, major prophetic implications, of which we might study depending on how things pan out. But there are pretty major prophetic implications. (laughs) Prophetic implications. In verse 26, also on the day of the first fruits, interesting. On the day of the first fruits, when you bring a new grain offering, interesting. 
when you bring a new grain offering to the Lord at your feast of weeks, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work. You shall present a burnt offering as a sweet aroma to the Lord, two young bulls, one ram, and seven lambs in their first year, with their grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for each bull, two-tenths for the one ram, and one-tenth for each of the seven lambs. Also, one kid of the goats to make atonement for you. That's the whole purpose, a covering. For people to be right with the Lord. Verse 30, 31. Be sure they are without blemish. Remember, nothing mangy. Nothing mangy. Be sure they are without blemish. Now, when you understand these things in the law, and this is a little refresher because we study this in Leviticus, not just Leviticus, but all touched on it also in, in uh, 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 an Exodus. Now you understand why the Lord Jesus Christ Son of God, Lamb of God. While he turned the tables. Why he turned the tables? Because they turned his father's house, our father's house, into a den of thieves. Turned into a business. You understand? But then also remember the faith of Moses here in this particular passage. Because when, remember Pharaoh's like, okay, you know, go ahead. Moses, you take your people. Go ahead and go, but leave the animals. And Moses says, no. We're taking the animals. And he even said, we don't even know why we need the animals, but the Lord says we need to take the animals, so we're going to take the animals. Because the Lord knew that they would need blood. He knew that the spoken law would be rejected. He knew that the two tablets would be rejected, would be broken by Moses. I mean, you know, Moses had the two tablets and he, he broke them and then made the people drink the bitter waters at the golden calf, broken by the people. But then at the same time, the two tablets given the third time, he knew all these things. He knew that the people needed blood for them to be right with him. Why? Because life for life. Life for life. You see, remember, e even in, in Genesis 22, the Lord will provide for himself uh, the lamb, the burnt offering. The Lord will provide for himself the lamb. Now, you might be in a situation, you might be Jewish. Yeah, we have the lamb. We have the lamb of the law. What about the lamb in the fulfillment of the law? Without blemish. You see? In verse 31, be sure they are without blemish. You shall present them with their drink offerings besides the regular burnt offerings with the grain offering. And understand that here, I'm not advocating the law in any way, shape, or form. But I do advocate the fulfillment of the law. All these things that we're studying are a shadow of the better lamb. His name is Jesus Christ. And so we come to the end of our study here in Numbers 28. Lord willing, next week we'll pick up in chapter 29. Beautiful people of the way, God bless you. I love you.